I mean you can you can do the back end work in as complex manner as you want but the front end for it to be implemented that has to be simple enough The world has never been changing more rapidly dislocating the ways we work learn and live On the Learning Future podcast we discuss the knowledge skills and dispositions we all need for our learning future exploring insights with world class educators researchers policymakers and leaders from across industries and across the world Salendra, thank you so much for your time and for joining us on this podcast. So perhaps just give us a bit a quick introduction to the work that you're undertaking. I mean your role specifically and then also what's happening for the schools in New Delhi, you know, give us a sense of the ecosystem that you're supporting. Sure. So uh I work as an advisor to the Delhi government on education. Uh I've been in this role for the last two and a half years. And during this period uh Delhi government has launched several reforms in the area of education because education is the top priority of the the, the government uh, it is spending nearly 25% of its total budget on education so that's the kind of priority that the government attaches and over these years like uh, augmenting the infrastructure revamping the teacher training uh, mechanism focusing on learning outcome of children strengthening community school linkage has been some of the key areas uh, uh, of reform now having rolled out these uh, reforms and the government has been in existence here this current government for the last almost 3 years uh, there was there was perceptible i mean key in the in the course of discussion and engagement with the teacher because one of the thing that we have been able to set up in delhi is 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 to have a close knit dialogue a dialogue with the teachers dialogue with the with, with the school leaders dialogue with the with the administrators and one of the key area that was emerging a key concern area that was emerging was that how far the current education system is able to address the emotional needs of children how well it is preparing them uh, as a citizen uh, as a human being and one i remember one of the the interesting point that was made by uh, a minister in one of these gathering was that this current school system which is operating by and large across the world it has perhaps succeeded in creating very good engineer very good doctors very good professionals in different sphere of life you look around but can we say with uh, a lot of certainty that it has also succeeded in creating good human beings because the world today the kind of conflict and the issues that we see around um is because of lack of understanding and empathy for each other is the education system doing anything along those line yes stated among the stated goals of education this is uh, i mean no school education system across the world will say that that is not the, their goal but how much is actually being <coughs> done to um, get children on on board with respect to this so that was the question with which we started and launched happiness curriculum uh, so among the teachers among the educators there was uh, uh, some degree of consultation and then we zeroed on on down on creating a model which should be simple enough for the teachers and the other key stakeholders to understand and execute mm. 
Give us a sense of um, the scale of, of this work in, in New Delhi. For example, how many schools are there in this part of India and how many students are being affected by this particular? Great. So, uh, Delhi government has about 1,000 schools, 1,024 to be precise. And these school, schools enroll about 1.5 million children. Uh, these children uh, and, and the children in these schools uh, come in nursery or KG as the case may be and go all the way up to class 12 study and then graduate. Many children, large proportion of children join Delhi government is, uh, schools from the grade 6 till then they study in a school run by another administrative unit called the municipal corporation. But together at any point in time uh, about 1.5 million children are enrolled in the Delhi government schools. When we launched Happiness Curriculum, uh, we decided to launch it for children studying in nursery onwards, going up to grade 8 in the Delhi government schools, which is roughly about uh, 800 to 900,000 children. Uh, so, so on a daily basis, these many children are, Im are impacted by the Happiness Curriculum. Fantastic. Give us a sense now of what the happiness curriculum is, because you've talked a bit about why it matters, the idea of ensuring that we have, you know, not just the academic results, but also the kind of social and emotional results, the idea of being a good human being, as well as just an, a good professional. Uh, what, what component parts does it have? How does it work, this happiness curriculum? So happiness, first let me, let me um, state what is the objective of this uh, curriculum. So there are three major objectives that happiness curriculum is. Uh, first is building self-awareness or mindfulness. Second is developing critical thinking. And the third one is ability to express. Uh, and uh, along with critical thinking, there's also empathy that we uh, sought to build. Uh, so, so with these objectives, the happiness curriculum was launched. And there are three components uh, in the happiness curriculum. Component one is mindfulness. Uh, component two is story. And component three is activities. So the combination of all the three uh, is what constitutes happiness curriculum, which is implemented for about, say, uh, 40 minutes each uh, every day, Monday to Friday. And then Saturday is basically synthesizing uh, what has been done uh, over the last uh, five days. So when you say Saturday, is that because students attend school on Saturday? Yes, we have uh, Saturdays on. So except for, so for second Saturday of every month, uh, rest of the Saturdays are working for the school. I see. Interesting. Um, great. So maybe take us into this 40-minute lesson. So. Give us a sense of what it looks like. If, I, if we were to be sitting in a classroom as students, what kind of mindfulness piece is happening? What are the activities happening? Uh, what are we engaging in as learners to try to support our emotional well-being? So uh, this is how the first five days of the week, Monday to Friday, is divided. Uh, Monday is usually for exclusively for mindfulness. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is uh, the, the short um, five minutes of mindfulness uh, followed by story and activity. So this is how it, it happens. Mm -hmm. Now, what do we do in mindfulness? What, what exactly do we mean when we say mindfulness? Uh, usually mindfulness is, is very often confused with meditation. Uh, it is not exactly meditation. 
it's a it's a it's a discipline in itself wherein the emphasis is basically to focus or concentrate on present so what 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 your thoughts are what your surroundings are so if i were to give an example one of the activities under mindfulness is say mindful breathing so you close your eyes and focus on your breathing so the air entering your nose and the kind of movement it goes up to wherever and then you are exhaling so focusing on breathing so that is mindful breathing you do for couple of minutes when you do that when you focusing on this then then it is it is your thoughts are focused around this only then the next activity is say mindful listening so you can close your eyes and pay attention to any sound that you can hear any sound so what you are doing basically is even the the creak of the door or a any small some pin dropping anywhere you should be able to listen that you should be able to focus that and then so on and so forth now the idea behind introducing mindfulness is that many often you would hear and as a child i'm sure your your teacher or your parents too must have pointed you out kilukas why don't you why don't you pay attention where are you where are your thoughts are you here that's the kind of question we uh, every child and many a time teachers would be complaining ki i i'm i'm working so hard but this child is wondering it's his thought is wondering yeah. now if this child comes back and asks you well you are teaching me science you are teaching me maths but have you taught me how to concentrate or focus how to pay attention so you expect me to pay attention but have i been taught how to pay attention so the mindfulness is basically an answer to that that how you get you the child to focus so that's that's number one fantastic so um we'll take us into 2 and 3 in a minute i think what's interesting on on the focus pieces in the west particularly with technology now we're seeing technology transform in positive ways but also it's distracting uh in some ways so being able to focus and and be able to manage your own attention um is such a crucial skill today and and it also seems to me when we talk about mindfulness um and please correct me if you think this is an unfair comment but in the west this has not been something that we have been engaged in for a long time whereas there seem to be spiritual traditions where mindfulness has been far more embedded in indian culture and other asian cultures in the east for example mm-hmm. um so that's a it's a really interesting piece to see that that's happening in places like india um we see some of this happening in in other parts of the world of course in other education systems but uh the idea of it being an explicit approach and having 40 minutes dedicated to that and to other elements i think is really fascinating i would i would add the the difference between uh the meditation and mindfulness like one of the key difference is that that in the meditation uh, the hindi the, the, the thing that you actually do is to uh, bring your focus to something uh, some god or some uh, a chanting something or uh, so in in hindi what we say is dhyan karna uh, whereas mindfulness is dhyan dena so that's the difference between so in one way you are you you, you can you can imagine the the god that you pray and you uh, are revering you you are just focusing your attention towards that that's one thing 
whereas here you are not focusing on i mean you 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 can be perfectly you can be religious uh, you can be atheist that's your personal belief but as far as uh, mindfulness is concerned this is a, a an activity which you do because to reduce the clutter in your brain the chatting in your brain which which keeps on happening lot of our time is basically this this something happening in the brain and unless and whatever you do you require some amount of focus to do that so it's a it's a, it's a technique basically a secular uh, process which is which is used to bring your attention to the present moment that you are living in fantastic um so that's so mindfulness being the first element take us through the 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 other two elements that make up this happiness curriculum so the story part <clears throat> so i'll give you an example what happens is there are there are set of stories which has been carefully selected uh, uh, created or picked up with acknowledgement and what happens in the class is that the teacher who is facilitating uh, the happiness class uh, reads a story beforehand and she comes to the class with uh, mentally prepared with a story so for example one of the story that uh, is is one of the first story that is it is used is is a story of three laborers who are working on the quarrying site breaking stone and one person goes there and asks the first laborer what are you doing and this laborer replies that can't you see i'm breaking stones he the person goes to the next laborer and asks what are you doing and this person says well i'm earning my livelihood and then this person goes to the third one and said what are you doing he said well i am busy constructing a school so the task is same but the perception of the three so the teacher narrates this story in the class and she stops at that and she asks children that what do you think why the three of them gave different reply to the same set of thing and then she moves to a different uh, questions she she basically nudges or she she, she gives a prompter she asks okay so suppose yesterday how many children how many of you got any task from your mom she asked you to do something what was that and what did you feel about that did you feel like the first labor or the second labor or the third labor? you come to school you came to school you come to school every day what do you feel you're doing what is your thought does are you feeling closer to the first one to the second one to the third one so what happens is basically through this discussion around the story you are bringing out the essence of the story so it's not like a moral science preaching class but through discussion and expression you are you are, the children are capturing the essence of this story and being able to reflect on their own thoughts and the and the way way they operate that with what mindset are they working and the key to this is that the, this teacher is not going to move to the next story unless every child in the class has participated and given his or her opinion on it so so engagement participation expression 
is a key thing and the teacher has to because usually what happens is whenever such kind of discussion happens in the classroom it's usually three four very active students who would who would come back so the role of the teacher become is uh, here is to get every child to participate so that's the the uh, activity around yeah it seems to me like the in that case the teacher is more of a facilitator Precisely. of the discussion as an instructor and so the idea of you know, taking, not, not telling students what to think, but just guiding them through an experience and a process yes. where they can reflect upon their own mindset. Yes. And, and, and also I would like to add here that the teacher is, uh, has been like oriented that not to express like you're supporting one set of thought and you are disagreeing with another set of thought. That's something which teacher is not expected to do. She has to give respect to every thought that has been expressed. It is possible that the child is coming to a conclusion which the teacher may find completely outrageous. Mm -hmm. But it is not her role at that point in time to start correcting the child. The idea is that through discussion and through counter arguments among children, you reach and the child should be able to reflect back rather than simply saying the politically correct thing and doing something contrary to the uh, to that it sounds to me as well like a bit like a socratic seminar which can often be used as well where people sit in a circle and discuss a topic a theme take us into this final part as well the idea of activities or what's the third so, so there are there are a set of activities which has been decided for example um, uh, if i may give an example one activity is like say, appreciation so how do you appreciate so one of the way in which you can do uh, do those children uh, standing in a circle, and if I, uh, as a teacher, ask you to go and say one thing to her, which you feel makes her special, and then moving around. So what happens is you 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 are observant, and you know that if I have to give uh, this uh, appreciation to her. For who she is, what is it that I should be saying? And you also receive appreciation in the whole process. Mm -hmm. So as a result, more bonding. Uh, for example, if I were to take, uh, if I were to take another example, it's like how do you say uh, express your gratitude? So one of the activities that happened in the nursery among nursery children was that the teacher asked every uh, child to go and say thanks to their mother. No, many children went there. They went to their mom and said thanks. There was one child who did not do that. So the teacher next day asked, "That did you say thanks to your mom?" And he said, "No." She said, "Why?" He said, "Why should I say thanks to her?" So the teacher said, "Okay. So when you were coming to school today morning, who fed you, or uh, who put you to bed last night?" Who gets you ready in the morning? And the child responds, yes, my mom. So she said, don't you think then she deserves to be thanked for that? And uh, the child understood and he went back home. And he asked, uh, he, he said thanks to his mother. And the mother asked this question, why are you thanking me? <clears throat> so the child repeated, Ki, well, you give me food, you put me to bed, you uh, get me ready in the morning for the school and therefore you deserve to be thanked. And this mother was in tears. She came to school next morning and said thanks to the teacher. Mm -hmm. Ki, I have been 
uh, working, uh, I'm a homemaker. I've been working all my life, supporting everybody in the family. Nobody ever said thanks to me. And here is my four-year-old child coming and saying thanks to me, which everybody else had assumed to be like, this is my duty. What's so great about it? So, so that was that was touching. And so, so through this activity, not only this child gets to think about who all he or she needs to thank. There are so many people who are playing their role in raising this child. You may or may not be even aware of it. But going back and saying thanks, and the people who are being thanked, feeling that they are being acknowledged, is having a kind of, say, ripple effect. So that's the way I, I give just that's two examples, but there are similar examples Absolutely. of activities I'm sure like there are many. Um, and of course, what we know from, from some of the research in positive psychology is the person delivering the gratitude is also experiencing positive affect. So they're getting the sa- a benefit from actually saying thank you to another person, and that person receiving also gets a benefit. So it's almost generative in nature. And connecting. Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, so you're three months into this, so it's still a new kind of initiative at this point in time. Uh, so it's pretty hard to report back on how things have gone in terms of an evaluation or anything. What are you, what's kind of some of the anecdotal evidence that you're seeing emerging from this piece? Well, interesting, just before coming to this seminar, uh, the deputy CM and the education minister convened the meeting of the heads of a school. And he organized, he convened this meeting in a small group of head of a school so that he can have more close uh, one-on-one uh, discussion. It was it was discussion in a group of say about 50 head of schools at one point in time and the, and the feedback was on how the happiness curriculum is, is working. And there has been interesting stories coming. So some of them reported saying that the level of aggression among children in their school has come down. Some of them said that in the recently uh, midterm uh, examination of other subjects, they found that the children have performed better uh, because they attributed it to uh, this exercise of mindfulness. I mean, we have not done a, a very systematic study to support, but that was a, the kind of uh, report uh, back that that has come. There was uh, there are other another instances of ch- children's truancy. So coming to the school and making and finding ways and reasons to escape at some point in time. Some schools reported that truancy has come down. So these are some of the things that the schools have reported working in the, uh, I, I mean, the, the, the real impact that they can attribute. Though it is like just a three-month-old intervention, but still they were able to notice that there is some change that is happening. So these are some of the examples that we... That's wonderful. Um, so, I mean, you, at, this, at the Salzburg Global Seminar here, you've been providing this kind of insight um, from, from that systemic perspective. What kind of pieces of advice would you give to other system leaders, uh, but even, you know, the really important people as well, the educators and the school leaders around kind of bringing in this increasing focus on social emotional learning and, in your case, the happiness curriculum itself? So what I would say, <clears throat> see, there are two ways of uh, doing anything in the education, particularly in the education system. One is you are in the constant quest for improving what you are doing. 
so you can like incrementally think about what interventions you would want and work to uh, make that change happen and there is another way to look at it ki what kind of transformative change uh, you want and for the latter to happen i think the policy makers uh, and the key uh, people in the uh, design of the policy and execution of the same will have to think big and should not worry about too much about the risk involved uh what uh, this is a discussion over the last two days i am having there is a, a question that that came ki was there a demand for this i mean how did we come across why did we do we why did we introduce happiness curriculum was there a demand for it i would say that sometimes what happens is the demand articulation of demand is not very uh, what you say clear you feel the need of it and if the need is being felt you need to respond to that and in the response once that happens that might create demand so f- before uh, something is demanded there is a stage prior to that responding to that need and i think the people in the leadership position will have to be mindful of the fact that what kind of need they are feeling and respond to it so for example this happiness curriculum has been launched and there is a there is a there is a very uh, what you say uh, informal feedback mechanism built into it so we and we have to we can use technology in that you 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 have people on facebook twitter whatsapp all the time so you you can get the inputs as to what is happening for example if if i were to tell you we found that there were two two common mistakes with many of the teachers started making while doing it because they have been uh, teaching this subject in a particular manner so that was the dominant idea one of the thing was with respect to the mindfulness itself uh, that that many of them misunderstood mindfulness to meditation so actually asking children to meditate close your eyes chant and this was through our f- informal feedback mechanism which we could immediately get so as a result we could respond to it and say that there is a difference between the two you might need to try this and not that another thing was with respect to stories because the way our teaching learning activity is designed it's more like knowledge driven recall based so when you teach a particular subject your expectation is to see whether the children have memorized all the key facts that have been told over there so what happened in the story that i uh, gave you an, as an example so some teachers would then after this story will ask children so how many laborers were there in this story what did the first one say what did the third one say yeah, so so bringing them back from there to capture the essence of it yeah. ki how what what do, do the child feel after hearing this story and how this child is able to connect with his or her own life is what needs to be prompted yeah, right. so as a result so that is how this this curriculum is also evolving as a result of uh, this kind of feedback so my advice to policy maker would be that in after introducing something have a mechanism whereby you can get the feedback and 
be able to respond to that because you are never going to create something perfect in the first go and the, but the journey or the quest should be towards excellence mm. towards perfection fantastic so some advice there from yourself is to think big to keep it evolving with tight feedback loops uh, and, and, and and last piece yeah keep it simple correct because anything which you want to take it to the scale i mean you can you can do the back end work in as complex manner as you want but the front end when you the finally you decide and something goes into the public domain for it to be implemented that has to be simple enough i could explain you uh, the happiness curriculum through its three component now i am sure if you were to try doing it with a set of children i i'm very sure that that, that you would be able to do at least 75% of what uh, we have talked about yeah. so it has to be simple enough absolutely yeah and the more complicated you make to begin with the difficult it would be for the people to understand and then there would be huge amount of transmission loss yeah sure uh, so yeah, mindfulness, stories and activities, part of the happiness curriculum. Uh, Shailendra Sharma, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on, on the great work that you're doing and we look forward to hearing how it moves from, uh, forward from here. Thank you, thank you too. Thanks for listening to the Learning Future podcast. To find out more about our work, drop into thelearningfuture.com and follow us at Learning Future on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Here's to building a world of thriving learners together.